What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shafe Daily Live. As tonight, we're talking about perhaps the game of the year for the Cardinals, at least so far, as they defeated the Dodgers 16-8 to at Bush Stadium. You love seeing both teams go for two, right? Isn't that great? Score the touchdown, go for two. Cardinals win it 16-8 to behind the strength of seven home runs in this game. The Cardinals have never done that at Bush Stadium 3. That's a Bush Stadium 3 record. And the last time the Cardinals hit seven home runs in a game, which I believe ties the franchise record, it was May of 1940. And the Cardinals did that. I should I should correct myself. In a home game, Cardinals hitting the seven home runs in a home game ties a record set back in May of 1940 against the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers. That's how long it's been. A big night tonight offensively for the Cardinals. Wilson Contreras, couple of home runs, and this guy is more and more day to day developing into the heartbeat of these St. Louis Cardinals. It's astounding to see the difference that he makes when he is going the way that he is going right now and how that energy that he brings to the table permeates the rest of that Cardinals clubhouse. And he had a big night tonight, as did Nolan Gorman against the lefty. How excited were you Cardinals fans to see Nolan Gorman getting not only the opportunity to start against the lefty, which, by the way, I don't think is anything that's going away anytime soon. Uh, this guy appears to be an everyday player based on the way the Cardinals uh, and, and Ollie Marmel in particular talked about it tonight. But how much did you like seeing that Nolan Gorman getting the opportunity? I apologize that we've been showing the uh, the Dodgers box score here. No need to do that. Check out the Cardinals 16 to eight win. Obviously the uh, the six runs scored in the third. Man, I have hardly ever seen anything like that at Bush Stadium. The Cardinals go back to back to back and hit a total of four home runs there in the third. Arenado gets his in the fourth. And then the seven-run eighth, man, which they kind of needed some of those runs based on the way things were trending. You had Freddie Freeman hitting a grand slam, getting the Dodgers back into it. They have another home run in the seventh. This was a one-run game. Even after all the fireworks and everything that had been going so well for the Cardinals offensively, things kind of went off the rails a little bit. An error by Paul Goldsmith. You almost never see goalie make an error, but certainly not one like this on a ball that was... I don't know if it caught the lip of the grass or what it was. They were kind of speculating on the uh, on the post game, and we didn't get a chance to talk to Goldie tonight. Um, a lot of times, you you might be able to just ask a question like that and say, "Okay, I don't have a lot for you, but can you describe that play?" Um, but that was a situation where, with the Cardinals clubhouse basically being closed off to the media uh, due to a, a a burst pipe or something going on in there, uh, we ended up only getting a few players that came out that were requested. Oscar Mercado was one of those. Good to see him in St. Louis after being drafted 10 years ago by this team. And tonight he finally gets his first hit as a Cardinal. Uh, not like he hasn't had big league hits before, but he talked about that one was special and said basically um, felt like it was something that he just needed in his life to be a Cardinal after the way it began. A second round pick of the Cardinals, I believe it was back in 2013, goes to Cleveland in a trade in the uh, the, the the July period, the, the trade deadline period of 2018 and had several solid years with them, but said this offseason he had some options for where he wanted to go, and as he was kind of taking stock of things, the Cardinals were the, the place that in his heart he felt like he really wanted to be, and to be able to, uh, to join this team and join them right now with the way that they're playing. I'm intrigued by Oscar Mercado. The dude can run, and he, he showed himself pretty nice uh, at the play tonight, and, and even better on the base paths. What he's able to bring in that element I think is something the Cardinals might want to keep around for a little while. And so I would kind of run him out there with the, 
the, the way things went in left field tonight when Juan Yepes got his chances, uh, you love Juan Yepes. He hit the big home run tonight as part of the back-to-back-to-back. But defensively, that was kind of where things started to go off the rails a little bit for the Cardinals, too. Mentioned the error by Goldsmith that you almost never see. Leads to, ultimately, a, a big inning there for the Dodgers, and they find their way back into this ballgame. But the Cardinals slamming the door with a seven-run eighth. And my goodness, have you ever seen anybody so excited as Wilson Contreras was hitting that second home run? The entire rounding of the bases as he walked, as he went from first to second to third to home was a celebration. The whole thing. And the celebration extended into the dugout as he said he was still celebrating and saying some coarse words necessarily uh, is the way that he phrased it. When somebody on his team, he doesn't even remember who it was, was like, hey, Wilson, they want you. <laughs> like, they want you out there for a curtain call. And he's like, curtain call? Yeah, okay, let's do that. Like, he was so about it. The dude is an absolute showman and was able to come through tonight for the Cardinals, part of a seven-home run game for St. Louis. So I just want to get into the comments and see what you guys have to say about tonight's game. It was a very crazy one. And, uh, hey, you didn't even need Ryan Helsley. Like, to think the Cardinals won this game by eight – and we were kind of wondering at a point, like, who's going to pitch the ninth? Oh, okay, they, they're comfortable enough to have Helsley warming. This is good. And then they don't even need him because they score seven in the eighth inning. No Hell's Bells tonight, but I don't think Cardinals fans minded it as St. Louis wins it 16-8. to eight. Paul says hello. Felix is enjoying the new uh, intro screen. And if you missed the intro screen, basically it was kind of like my screensaver before I had the stream up and ready. Going to try to do that and then maybe see if I can get with my guy CJ. Uh, and, and I'm going to give you his Twitter account, by the way. I, I know that CJ does great stuff with graphic design, and I want to make sure that I give a shout-out to him and uh, everybody can give him a follow. And I'll get I'll get all the socials from CJ as time goes on. I can't find it right now, but I will make sure to do that because, uh, yeah, he created this for me, and it looks sharp. It's It's right there in the bottom right of your screen if you missed it. Uh, it was enlarged at the beginning of the show, and now we uh, have a little bit of razzmatazz to go with uh, the stream. So appreciate you guys for uh, giving that some love. Shout out once again to CJ for that. Uh, Brendan L. says, what's up? Ryan dozed off in the middle of the game and missed half of the best game of the year. Yeah, I mean, if you missed innings two through five there, Ryan, as you said, uh, you missed the back-to-back-to-back, which is the first time the Cardinals have done that since, uh, honestly, not that long ago. It was July 2nd of 2022 remember they went four in a row in a game against philadelphia last summer um i was not at that game so i was glad to get to see some of the uh some of the the fun going on there tonight at bush stadium the home run party arenado ends up doing it i mean if you play bombs away that uh c70 and cardinals gifts on twitter always put together in the first game of a series for cardinals fans which you should play it's a fun free game that gives you a little bit of excitement during the game you pick who's gonna homer you pick the inning you pick the uh the direction the home run's gonna go and you get you know points for each category that you get right but you got to get the guy right first but if you didn't get it right tonight i don't know if you're ever going to because the cardinals had plenty of guys going deep they end up with seven home runs it's just incredible what they were able to do to julio urias and the dodgers i mean urias comes in with a pretty good era although above six i believe on the road so that's a guy who's a really good pitcher Yes, he was on one of my fantasy teams tonight, so I'm not super thrilled about that. However, it is what it is. Raising the ERA to 4.39 for Urias, uh, as you see there on your screen. We'll, we'll keep this Cardinals box score and the uh, the stat lines there for the batters up for a while because it was all about the long ball tonight. Uh, we know Chicks dig it, but uh, the Cardinals, they dug it as well. <laughs> Able to basically power the offense in that way 
Uh, 12 hits, but they scored more runs than that because of the walks. Goldschmidt, you think, oh, not a great game for Goldie. Had that error, you know. He walked three times and ended up scoring on all three of those walks. Goes 0 for 2, but uh, certainly raised the on-base percentage in this game. So just a really great game for the Cardinals to uh, kind of assert themselves and continue to do so in the context of the National League at large. I believe I saw that the Cardinals are no longer the worst record in the National League. The Nationals uh, must have lost to facilitate that because I think coming into today, the Cardinals were still tied for the worst record in the league on the National League side. After all the wins that they've had, that seems kind of astounding to me. But, hey, that's what the deal was. And uh, I I just wouldn't worry anymore, Cardinals fans. Like, honestly, I feel like I know the pitching is maybe something that you might talk about from tonight. It was not Hennessy Cabrera's night, and and those things are going to happen from time to time. He's been really sharp for the Cardinals. Tonight, he very much was not sharp. And I was a little surprised to still see him in the game for the seventh inning, um, given how he looked at at that time. But, and he gives up a home run and then was, was removed from the game. But it was one of those things where with Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos going tonight, or last night, I should say, and the number of pitches that those guys threw, I just think the Cardinals had to be you know a little selective with the bullpen usage. But Verhagen was able to come in. Hicks came in and had a very clean inning. And uh, Chris Stratton ends up throwing the ninth. Helsley was going to come into that game. He was warming up, at least in the beginning, uh, as things were going along there. And the Cardinals ended up going, yeah, thank you, Ryan, for your service, but we're good tonight. They win this game by eight. It was very much not a safe situation and a good inning by Stratton, who uh, has a a 2.7 ERA right now. So a nice job by him. Adam Wainwright, uh, you know, it's it's a tough one because he gives up five runs. But again, he was out of that sixth inning. If you don't have the Paul Goldschmidt error that he almost never makes. Um, Paul goes, I mean, it was Bill Buckner to a T. It goes right between the wickets there on, on Goldie. And it was kind of, you know, earlier on to where the runs hadn't really piled up against the Cardinals yet in that inning. And so it didn't feel like it was a disaster at the time. But as that inning wore along, you were like, oh, boy, like this is not what you want here. And and Goldie, uh, you know, certainly was a guy that you you don't ever see do that. And so he had to be kind of feeling that the heat of that one. But the Cardinals picked him up, man. The offense, like this is the thing to me. This is the takeaway from the night. Remember early in the season when I was the blowhard and the homer who kept saying, and people probably thought this, especially the way things were uh, going for the Cardinals, I kept saying, this Cardinals lineup, the way they're constructed, I may have even said this back in spring. I think I did. The way they're constructed, the guys, the depth, all of it, this could be the type of team that leads the league in runs scored this season. If you've listened to B-Shape Daily uh, for any amount of time and you were listening early in the season or even back into the spring, That's something that you probably heard me say. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And for a while there, guys, it was looking like that was was uh, a pipe dream. Maybe wishful thinking for some, some of y'all out there. And yeah, this offense was just too inconsistent. It wasn't going to be done. But you're going to score 18 runs on a Monday. What was that? Was that Monday they did that? One of those days this week they did that. I think it was Monday. And then you come in on Thursday and score 16. And you do it against, uh, you know, some some good pitching staffs and a Dodgers starter that Urias is tough. And I, I get it. He's a lefty. And we've said all along, the Cardinals can handle their lefties. 
and uh, they, they certainly did tonight. 229 runs now. The Cardinals have scored this season. That ranks second in the league, second in the National League, behind the Dodgers, who have 245. And uh, the, the leader of Major League Baseball is the Tampa Bay Rays at 277. So maybe they don't lead the league in runs because they kind of built themselves a, a bit of a hole there at the beginning. But 34 runs over the course of just two of the games that were played this week, that's going to allow you to, to close that gap, certainly on the leaders. And uh, again, just second place at this point in the league, in the National League, this is the kind of offense I think you're going to have this year for the Cardinals. No, they're not going to score 18 and then 16 every game. Like, they're going to have some lulls in there, obviously. But right now, even without the team at full health, like they've been doing this without Tyler O'Neill, and you can say what you will on either direction of that. Like, maybe there's a reason for that. Tyler O'Neill has been given a lot of opportunity at the beginning of the year, and he really, really struggled. And now he's on the shelf, but the Cardinals are, are the drumbeat has gone forth without him. And they're, they're able to find guys that have picked up the slack. Juan Yepes, offensively, it's great to see him coming into tonight's game and getting the job done. Um, the circumstances under which he had to come in, not so favorable. Tommy Eben got the start in right field and made a really nice catch early in this game. But uh, it was a, a ball that he collided on with Lars Newpar and took a bit of a shot there from Newt. Newt's a bigger guy than, than Tommy Edmond. And uh, Tommy took the full brunt of it survive the process of the catch, survive the ground, as they say in the NFL. And so the catch stood. Nice play by Tommy Eben. But then as he's running the bases later on in the game, it's like the next inning, Ollie and the trainer come out to, to check on him because Ollie said after the game he was kind of bending over a lot. And it ended up being abdominal soreness that they said with Edmund is the reason that they uh, removed him. Ollie said he's day-to-day. Going to find out more, obviously, after his uh, little powwow with the media there. So not sure on the status of Edmund. But uh, ultimately, they did decide to pull him from the game after the base running there. Didn't have him take another at bat. And uh, Juan Yepes comes into the game. Really good to see that offense from Yepes. He's part of that three-run, or I should say the the three in a row that happened there in the third inning. But then the defense for Juan Yepes, a little suspect. I don't think the Cardinals can afford to put him in the outfield. And that makes it a really difficult situation. And I feel bad. Because Juan Yepes tries really hard, and he wants to be a better outfielder than he is. He just simply does not look comfortable, I think, is the problem. And so it's really difficult to be able to uh, put the Cardinals in a situation where, yeah, you want his bat in the lineup when you can get it in there, but outfield's just not the way. And right now, they've got Nolan Gorman. Two home runs tonight. I don't know if that's 11 or 12 for him on the year or what it is, um, but he's got an OPS now over 1,000. I was asked a few days ago um, by, by somebody in this stream, could it be an MVP caliber thing that we're talking about for Gorman. He's up to 12 home runs on the season. Could MVP, if he's able to play against lefties and thrive, I said at the time, no, I didn't think that was really a realistic situation for Gorman because I figured when they put him in there against lefties, which we knew they were going to have to do eventually, I figured that once they did it, he'd kind of struggle. The, the numbers would go down a little bit and he'd come back down to earth in those games. Nope. Tonight, with a really nice piece of hitting off of Urias in his first at bat, uh, line drive the opposite way, floats over the shortstop and the uh, second base umpire nearly hit him into left center field for a base knock. And then just, this was a hanging pitch by Urias, I think 79 on the on the gun, middle, middle, and he crushed it. But Noel Gorman, I asked him after the game if any of the offseason work that he put in was related to, hey, I want to improve against left-handed pitching. He said not really. It was just more of a general focus to be ready for whatever might come to him this season. But I thought part of his answer was interesting. The way he sort of fixated on a little bit to say, you know, I didn't have that many at-bats last year against lefties. So 
Yes, the numbers were kind of poor for him. The OPS was in the 600s. It wasn't like it was just abysmal for Gorman against lefties last year. But the Cardinals definitely catered away from that. And I think part of it wasn't maybe that Gorman was so bad against lefties, but it was that Albert Pujols was so good. And so he just wasn't very often getting those opportunities. And it just made sense from a, a perfectly placed platoon perspective. How's that for alliteration? That they weren't going to have him face lefties. This team has a little bit of that going on. But with the injuries and the things of, of, of the moment, no Dylan Carlson available, no Tyler O'Neill available. Those are two guys who from the right side can hit well against lefties. And so that changes the, uh, the calculus a little bit. But I also think it's just a matter of Nolan Gorman has earned the opportunity to be an everyday player, and he's going to be moving forward. You're not going to see the platoons the way that you had with him early in the season. Uh, like you said, it's not really something that he was asked to do a lot of last year, and so it's hard to, to look at a guy and say, hey, you cannot do this thing. When he didn't really get the opportunities to prove it in either direction. He was over on the season against lefties until tonight, but you got to realize this. He was facing those really nasty relievers most of the time when he was facing lefties so far this season. If you're 0 for 9, he had an at-bat against Wade Miley the other day when they gave him that first start against a lefty, but then Miley got injured in the game, and so he didn't end up facing him any further than that. So otherwise, you're facing lefty relievers that are generally specifically coming into a game to, to get Nolan Gorman out. And so that's difficult. And now he's getting the opportunity to be in the starting lineup. It doesn't matter the handedness. Sure, if you give him some days off, when you, you, just like you do everybody, they're always eventually going to get days off. When you do that, it's probably going to come against the lefty for Gorman. But what he was able to show tonight, I thought was particularly impressive. And uh, Ollie and the Cardinals seem impressed by it as well. He's now up to a 10-15 OPS, a 295 average. Uh, Nolan Gorman's a dude, man. And uh, it was really good to see him do that tonight because Cardinals fans have been clamoring for it, haven't you? You've wanted to see Nolan Gorman and you've wanted to see him against lefties. It's been a topic of this stream frequently. And there we see it, and it looks really good. I think they're going to continue to do it moving forward. Uh, go ahead, guys. Thank you guys for being here so much. But if you would subscribe to the stream, subscribe to the YouTube channel, that helps me out a lot. And it then allows you to be able to comment as well. We're up to 22 likes, which is awesome, considering it is 1230 a.m. You guys have been fantastic. If you like the Cardinals coverage that we're bringing you here on this channel throughout the season, would love to have you subscribe first and foremost. Uh, throw us a like, and then consider subscribing and following on apps like Spotify to be be shaped daily as the podcast. You can follow it on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, excited for you guys to be here with me. Excited to be doing a show tonight. We just put a video up last night of uh, be shaped daily. Didn't do a live. Some nights it's not going to be possible. I considered kind of doing the same thing tonight because honestly, uh, the views we got on that were were sometimes better than what we get on the lives when when people are only able to show up at twelve thirty. Um, but congrats to the forty or so of you that are with me right now because you guys are uh, making it worth my time with uh, with some great comments here. So I'm going to get right back into the comments, but I just want to express my appreciation for y'all being here. Uh, DB says first time I've had the opportunity to turn in live. Uh, been watching the replays. Thanks for doing these. Appreciate you, man. And Paul says he'll be at the games on Saturday, Sunday, and he's excited now. I don't think Cardinals fans would have been saying that a couple weeks ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago, right? If you had tickets to Saturday, Sunday, are you coming into these streams going, I'm excited for some Cardinals baseball this weekend? You might have been saying, oh, boy, I got it. Who's pitching? Oh, man. Am I sure I want to go? Does anybody want to buy these tickets? That's not the vibe right now around the St. Louis Cardinals, and there are a few guys responsible for that. I mean, everybody on this team is responsible for it, but when I think about Wilson Contreras, man, what an absolute turnaround that he has been able to put together. Like, 
what he's doing at the plate right now is really impressive. And we've talked about him in recent days as a guy that you want to see a little more from. The OPS now up to 772 after the big two home run night that he had tonight. Two three-run bombs. He was loving every minute of it. Uh, but the numbers offensively had been a little bit of a lull here for the last few days. But he had been focusing on the fact that he's catching again, and that's something the Cardinals need out of him. And so we really didn't fixate too much on what he did or didn't do well uh, in terms of offensive production. But, man, can he be the energizer bunny for this team. It was absolutely hysterical, guys, to sit there in the media room tonight and have these questions coming to Contreras about his exuberance and his personality and how much that has sort of rubbed off on this Cardinals team. And the, one of the questions came in, I forget who asked it, but he was asked about, you know, you saw this Cardinals team from the other side when you were a Cub, and you kind of knew what they were about and what your opinion was of them, I think, was, was maybe the, the subtext of this question. And so how much is it different now you know, the, the, they're they're loosened up a little more. The Cardinals have kind of had this, you know, reputation, I think, over the course of time as a team that's a little more conservative. They don't do the home run celebrations, and when they do, you know, it's a pepper grinder, but we're not really going to be doing props here. That's not our thing. We don't have a home run trident in St. Louis. You're damn right you don't. You have a hamburger phone. A hamburger phone, it, it's sweeping the nation, or at least sweeping the Cardinals' dugout, as basically what they're doing is – talking about how they've played the game where, oh, I'm, I'm on the call. I'm on the call. They're on the call of who's going to hit the home run, and they're trying to predict it. You get one per game, the way that Adam Wainwright described it tonight, uh, one at bat per game to say, yeah, I'm calling this for so-and-so. And now they physically have a hamburger phone to pick up and call it. Uh, Miles Michaelis evidently is the guy that came up with it, looking out to the big Maclean sign and said, hey, we need a hamburger phone. And the first thought I think that a lot of people had was, What's a hamburger phone? Does that even exist? Somehow Alec Burleson brought it in. That's That wasn't detail that came out tonight from Wayno, uh, who, by the way, had his son Caleb at the podium with him. And Caleb was literally throughout the entire thing, tapping on the microphone, talking into the microphone. It was fantastic. Like, these are the vibes. Nobody cared, right? It was just so cool to uh, to see Adam Wainwright be able to have his family with him. Wayno said that's a big reason he came back. The fact that, you know, he had daughters before, but with Caleb, he's able to take Caleb into the clubhouse uh, something he wasn't able to do, obviously, with his daughters, and have that be something that's a, a core memory for young Caleb. Just a really cool aspect of it. It is about family for Wayno. Uh, and, and again, with the pitching, he, he pitched okay tonight. He had a really rough first inning, was able to settle in, and it would have just been the two runs. Ends up being five, as some of those runs are charged to him uh, on the Grand Slam. Five total runs, but not earned runs. He only had the two earned runs. Again, errors in that inning. Uh, the one by Goldschmidt ends up kind of extending the inning, unfortunately, for the Cardinals there defensively. Uh, but Wainwright pitched pretty well, I thought, tonight. He's getting better as he goes, getting uh, maybe a little bit of the rush shaken off of him back into game action. I don't know that that would be a terminology he would use, but just kind of watching him, he's starting to sharpen up, and I still feel like long-term the Cardinals are going to be okay with him this season. It's it's just not a concern to me uh, and hasn't been, even though we've seen a couple of outings where he's gotten some runs uh, charged against him. I feel like the stuff looks pretty good. You're seeing, uh, for the most part, the weakish contact that you expect from Adam Wainwright. He's not going to strike out the world, but he is going to be able to produce the type of contact that, with a good defense behind you, can turn into some outs. The problem was the defense sort of let him down a little bit there, and it was the guy that you just never expect to do that uh, in one particular case when it was uh, Paul Goldschmidt there. So is what it is, but cool to see Wainwright. Cool to see the vibes of this team right now. Like, everybody is feeling good. Um, Contreras, I think, is a leading character in that. But just to hear Contreras describe 
you know, it, he was asked the question about kind of how it's different. And it, the scoff, it wasn't even a scoff. It was like a snort. Like it was funny because you could tell the gears are turning in his mind to whatever he and his Cubs teammates thought about this Cardinals team last year. And, you know, guys talk, especially baseball players, they like to get after it and they like to, you know, they like to uh, chirp at the dugout and those sorts of things. So I'm sure the, flashing through Wilson's mind in that moment as he gets to that question is, oh, man, what we thought about the Cardinals last year. But he was, I mean, this guy's got bravado. He says, I mean, the difference, I'm here now. There's there's one difference. And so Wilson Gutierrez knows the impact that he can have on a team that, that yeah, they could afford to kind of loosen up a little bit at times. And yet they had the pepper grinder and they, they had fun last year. And and uh, I forget, I, Adam Wainwright was asked sort of about this as well and said, hey, listen, we have we have as much fun as anybody. It, you may not always see exactly what it is, but uh, did you ever think the Cardinals would be a team that has a home run prop or a, a prop in general in the dugout like a hamburger phone? Yeah, maybe not. And I think part of that is just embracing the, the culture and the fact that that's what is going on in MLB this year. You've got the Trident with the Mariners. Uh, the, the Braves had the gigantic oversized hat before New Era kind of nixed that. But teams around the game are getting into it, and, and that's sort of become a theme of the summer, I think, in MLB is the home run celebrations. And the Cardinals are now they're as involved in it as anyone and I think that's important. I think it was impossible to do when they were 10 and 24 and they're losing eight in a row and things aren't going well. That was also a difficult time for the Cardinals when it came to this Wilson Contreras stuff, right? Like, does it kind of stand to reason that we never really got a full explanation for what was going on with Contreras? And it was like behind the plate, they want this, they want that. He's not doing the things, whatever it was, who really cares anymore? But it was like Contreras is a personality. And when things are going well, it's almost like exponentially that increases and benefits everybody around him. When it's not going well, those emotions can maybe manifest differently. I don't really think I ever noticed Contreras uh, manifesting emotions in such a negative way that would impact his teammates. Uh, you know, we even talked about the fact that guys should be breaking bats. Guys should be pissed off with the way things are going right now. And uh, I don't think people would have minded that. But it's just interesting. Is it a case where, like, you remember Dexter Fowler, right? He's the leadoff hitter for those years. Dex goes, we go, he go, we go. Is is Contreras kind of the new he go, we go for the Cardinals? As Contreras goes and as he's able to uh, kind of blossom and allow his personality to shine, these St. Louis Cardinals can be successful. It's contagious, man. That is a word that came up a lot in tonight's postgame. It is contagious, the energy that he brings and the way he is, uh, like, it might be, if he says it, it might be a little haughty of him, right, to assume, like, I am Contreras, I am this this great being in the universe revolves around me. He's not saying that. But, like, we can recognize, I think, from the outside that, yes, he has an impact on everybody in that clubhouse. He was a marquee signing of the offseason. Everything has kind of pertained to him when it comes to the, as the sluggishness of this team was going and we saw him removed from behind the plate and all the storylines that surrounded that. In just the same way, that he was maybe at the center of some negativity around this team, not his fault necessarily, but you know he was in the middle of that for better or worse. I think he can be that kind of positive force for the Cardinals when things are going well. And uh, you saw that tonight. Like, have you ever seen somebody celebrate a home run the way that he did rounding the bases? I mean, he's hyping the crowd up and he's hyping the dugout up. It's something that he did in Chicago at first, I believe, with the, the kind of raising your arms. And the dugout fed off of that. And he says, the guys in there have got my back. They've got me and they know that, the, the way that I am, and he it feeds into one another, and I think it's a positive for the Cardinals at this point. 
to be having fun the way that they are. I know the record. I know there's still seven games below 500, but the confidence that I have kind of portrayed in this this live stream and on B-Shape Daily uh, over the last few weeks and even kind of when things were going bad, I got a lot of hate for, hey, you know, the Cardinals are terrible. Why can you continue to say day after day that uh, they don't need to fire the manager and all these things? I didn't know that this was coming, but I did feel like the turnaround with the talent that they have, especially offensively on this team, was inevitable, and they're, they're having it now. So really interesting to see. I'm going to get back into the comments, though, after a quick sip of water to see what you all think about this. But make sure to subscribe to this B-Shave Daily uh, channel. It's not really the B-Shave Daily channel, but the Brendan Schaefer channel on YouTube. Would love to have you guys on board. Uh, you'll be able to comment within a minute of doing so on the live chat and uh, follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Hunter says, what's up? You think that Gorman's success tonight was more due to Urias being off or has he turned a corner? Time to start him every day. Like, okay, the 79-mile-per-hour the pitch that, that Gorman hit for a bomb was, you know, it was a bad pitch. But you still have to hit it. And against a lefty, there could be a lot of things going through your mind. If you're doubting yourself or you're second-guessing yourself up there because it's a lefty, um, you know, maybe that that causes you to not be able to hit a meatball when you're given one. But Gorman is so locked in right now. I think, yes, Urias had a bad night. But that wasn't necessarily a bad pitch that Gorman was able to kind of fight off for a soft liner the other way in the first hit bat against him. I think he's just getting to where he's that good. Um, yes, he's turned a corner. Yes, he should be playing every day. He is going to play every day. This is not just some temporary thing. All he said, this is not a one-off. Him facing lefties is not a one-off. This is something that we're going to, you know, we need to see what this looks like for a little while. And so I think you can expect that moving forward, that he's basically going to be in there every single day. Now, will he bat third every day? Probably not. I think they like the look of Contreras uh, batting in the three-hole when they're facing the lefty. And then you'll have Gorman down at five or six or wherever they put him. But I think he's going to be in there. And that's, I think that's right. I think that is right, uh, given what he's doing. He's earning every opportunity that he's gotten, right? There are guys on this Cardinals team where we might have said, yeah, Tyler O'Neill playing center field. It's kind of like they bestowed him this position when he did he really earn it. Well, he wants to play center field. Okay, that's great. Did he earn it? Do you think it makes sense? It didn't. It made sense for Dylan to play center field because he's the better defender in center. This is a different situation. This is, I mean, for real, Nolan Gorman taking every little opportunity. They knew he was going to be in the lineup every day, but he's moved up. He's now the three-hole batter for the most part against righties and uh, against lefties. He's an everyday guy now. And I think that is a change that's going to continue until, you know, if he struggles, then maybe you change that again. Or maybe you give him the sporadic off day against lefties. But for now, I think you're going to see him in there for the most part. And uh, that's right. To me, that's the way that it should be. Uh, 27 likes is great. Can we get it to 30? That's my question. Reno was wondering if this was going to be one of those sad live streams. Glad it didn't go that way. Yeah. When it got to 9-8, guys, I was looking out there and I'm going, I don't know. I don't know who's going to close this thing out is the problem. Like for Higgins in there, and if he can have a good inning, great. But then you got to have Jordan Hicks do the same. And then can Hicks go two innings? I kind of thought that would be the plan until I saw Ryan Helsley's name pop up on the uh, the light bulbs out there in the bullpen. So they would have thrown him, and then we would, you know, who knows what he would have done. Hopefully he had a one, two, three inning. But when it was 9-8, the vibes were not strong. They were not. I mean, the vibes of a three consecutive home runs back in the third inning had had dissipated with the way that game was trending. And the Cardinals were like, no, we're good. We're just going to do it offensively. Really impressive stuff for them to, like, 
the way it was described, I forget if it was Gorman or who said it, but they said, well, I mean, we weren't down. We were, we were never trailing. And so it was never like a situation where uh, we had lost that confidence. Uh, still having that nine, eight lead is important. Might've been Wilson that said it. One of them said it. Mercado might've said it. I can't remember. But at any rate, it was like they were not trailing, and so they still had the confidence that, like, we're going to get this done. But to be able to do it so confident and emphatically uh, impressive stuff. This offense is for real. Uh, I realize the record, and I and I understand they've had some bad games, and they'll have some more bad games where good pitching can get them out, where bad pitching might be able to get them out too. Um, like, it's that that's going to happen over the course of a season. But I think right now you're just seeing a, a lineup that's deep enough to be able to uh, minimize those kinds of nights and have more nights like this one, maybe not 16 runs, maybe not 18 runs. Um, but I guess the more times they keep doing that, the more we probably shouldn't say maybe not 16 or 18 because they've done it twice down in a week. So who's to say, right? Who's to say, um, B Burke wants to know when it's acceptable to start clamoring for a Gorman eight year extension, only half kidding. I mean, I said that if you talk early extension candidates and they've done this before, sometimes it ends up like a Paul DeYoung deal where at the end of it, you're looking at it going, I don't know if this is, was a, you know, the best idea. Sometimes it's Alan Craig that he gets traded in the middle of it, so it's not the end of the world. I would say there's two guys right now that I'm looking at on the Cardinals that are obvious candidates. It's Lars Nupar because I think he's for real. He just continues to play in all facets of the game, and I think it's Nolan Gorman. Now, whether the individual wants a contract or they want to play it year to year and get what they can in arbitration and then get what they can in free agency or at least force the issue where now you know I have more leverage because – when you sign an extension at this point, you're talking about pre-arb years and early arb years that just aren't that valuable to teams. And so you may not end up with the type of contract that you think you deserve. And sometimes it just depends on the guy, what what he thinks of what that's supposed to look like to whether or not you could come to terms with the team on a deal. And that's not just specific to the Cardinals. That's anywhere in baseball. I don't know if those two guys would want it, but if they're open to it, I think the Cardinals should be considering it for sure. Because again, and, and we just had this conversation within the last couple of days where I laid it out, and I looked at this lineup for years, and I said, Arnado and Goldsmith, those are two guys that are in their primes, but they're in their kind of entering their mid-30s. Uh, Goldie's 34, Arnado's 32. Those guys aren't going to be around forever, but right now they're still at the tops of their game. I think both of them offensively are going to have great seasons. Uh, I know Arnado had struggled. I still believe at the top of his game, you've seen it over the past week, what is it, six home runs in seven games? He's been fantastic. So I think that's something you can count on. All right. And I think the context of this the other day was Mason Wynn because, like, when you add him and you add Jordan Walker, okay, that's four guys that are you expect to just be, I don't know if I can say bonafide studs, about two guys who are still technically prospects. But, again, expectations are there for those guys. Okay, add Nolan Gorman to that. Add Lars Newpart to that. You're up to six kind of bonafide dudes if Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker paint out the way that we think they're going to. All right, Tommy Edmond. I know people are like, when are the Cardinals going to trade Tommy Edmond so they can get Mason Wynn in here? I think that's the wrong attitude. Edmond is still at a 798 OPS and a 274 average, and he's a good defender. I know the numbers this year defensively, not as good, not as strong for Edmond with the way things have been going, but the guy is a really good defender. He's a gold glover in the, in the past for a reason. Um, I, I just think you, you don't count Tommy Edmond out of it anytime soon. Oh, and by the way, Wilson Contreras is a thing as well. Like, you just go the depth of this lineup. I I don't know that there's a deeper lineup in Major League Baseball, and I didn't even utter the name of Paul DeYoung, who's got a 923 OPS, another home run tonight. Like, the one for five with a home run type of game is a very Paul DeYoung game, but the Cardinals don't care. Like, it, that's fine because he's 
even if he has some one for fives and some overs that don't end up resulting in a bomb on that night, it's okay for Paul DeYoung to hit 230, 240, or 250 in terms of a batting average this year because he can do that and still hit 25 or 30 home runs and have an 800, you know, 825, whatever OPS. And that is what we're talking about with the Cardinals that I think could be so valuable about Paul DeYoung. He's their eighth hitter. I mean, he is toward the bottom of the lineup for this team. Uh, batted seventh today. Donovan was batting eighth. And again, Donovan's had a little bit of a struggle offensively this year, but he's still doing things every single day that helps the Cardinals win baseball games. He is a great defender, had a great diving catch tonight, uh, reached base via walk and scored, had the base running play last night. Like, Brandon Donovan is a winning player. The Cardinals have more depth offensively in terms of their position players than they have in my in my memory covering this team since 2016. And that's not even, it's not even close. And I would even go back further to say that, like, some of those years when they're competing for NL Centrals and winning World Series and all those things, did they have this kind of depth in any of those years at the plate? I don't. I honestly don't know that they possibly could have. This is a really, really deep lineup when it's going. And again, let me show you right now. I'm just going to go Dodgers OPS from tonight's lineup. 868, Betts is a dude. All right, Hayward, uh, well, he didn't start. Freeman, 918, he's a dude. Will Smith is a dude at catcher, 991. Muncie at 943. Like, this is a lineup where the top-end guys in their lineup, they might be better than the top-end guys in the Cardinals because you've got three guys OPSing 900. Uh, you got a 980 or an 892 from James Altman and an 868 from Betts. That's five megawatt studs in terms of OPS and productivity. All right? The Cardinals, though, have Gorman over 1,000. They've got Arenado at 762, but that's not 762. Over the last week, that's 1,500, and it's going to be well over 800 before it's all said and done. So I'll I'll pair Arenado against any one of those Dodgers pound for pound, and, you, you know, you add in his defense, I'm probably taking Arenado. Goldsmith over 900, that's three. Newtbar over 800. So, like, it's uh, Paul DeYoung. I got to mention him at 923. So, that's kind of pound for pound. You talk about their top five, and, and again, is, is DeYoung one of the, the Cardinals' best five hitters? Probably not, but he's performing like it so far. I'm looking down this, okay, Vargas and a J.D. Martinez in the, in the mid to upper 700s in OPS. All right, the Cardinals can match that with a Contreras at 772. Um, you know, Donovan should probably get there eventually, but I'll, I'll throw Edmund out there at 798. Like, they're comparable to the very best lineups in the league because the Dodgers have one of the best, and the Cardinals are right there with them in every regard. And the depth of it is what is so impressive to me. You've got Tommy Edmund, and most of the time he's batting ninth for this team, OPSing near 800. Like, he's, this is a really, really deep team, and that's without Tyler O'Neill performing to expectations. That's without Dylan Carlson healthy and performing to expectations offensively. It's a really good lineup, guys. That's the bottom line for uh, and by the way, Mercado, I mean, he goes three for four tonight, three runs scored. He is going to be kind of like a hashtag everyday Oscar thing for a minute here. I'm not saying it's going to be forever, but that is exactly the kind of guy that if he's putting the bat to the ball, his speed does the rest. That's what he said. I came into tonight trying to just let my my legs carry me to be able to contribute to this team. He scored on a wild pitch from third. He stole a base. He he got got some base hits. I mean, Mercado scored three runs. This guy has a skill set. I'm not saying he's going to do what he did tonight every time, but this would have been called the Oscar Mercado game if not for the seven homers. Like, what he did would have been headline story. It would have been all we talked about. But because of the home runs, it gets buried a little bit. He goes three for four. He scores three runs. He steals a base. He scores on a wild pitch. He plays really good, solid outfield defense. 
Mercado should be a almost a direct replacement to all the things that we liked about Dylan Carlson in the Cardinals lineup that made him a, a hashtag everyday Dylan guy on this stream. We should be saying the same things about Mercado and add the fact that he can run. You know, Dylan, kind of a mid-tier athlete, upper upper medium athlete. Mercado can flat out move, and he kind of glides out there when he runs. Man, watching him leg out that double that was to left. Um, I think it was to left. It was one of those where it's like, that's not going to be a triple, but I wish that it was just so I could see Oscar Mercado run 90 more feet. Um, he is an exciting player, and I get it. Over the course of time, his bat has shown to be not, you know, he's not a superstar offensively, um, and, and maybe is not even a starting player offensively. But with what he can do defensively, I think he's got a lot of those similar characteristics of a guy that, I would go ahead and play him, man. I'd go ahead and run him out there, especially with what you're seeing defensively when you're dealing with a, a Yepes. And Burleson actually came in as a defensive replacement. Like, if if you're in a spot where Alec Burleson is a defensive replacement and it is 100% the right decision, some weird shit happened in that game. Like, that is that is what you know for sure. Um, and the, I mean, it was. The Cardinals brought in Yepes. They're like, man, we don't need to really take him out because we're up so much and like, yeah, defensive replacement in a seven run game, who cares? But then as things started to tighten up a little bit, Burleson comes in and of course the ball finds him right away. He makes two catches immediately. Um, and he does okay out there. Yepes, it just, it just didn't look right. But I look at kind of that in consideration with what I saw from Mercado and yeah, his, his lifetime slug is 390. His OPS is 681. It's nothing crazy. But, like, when you know you're going to get the speed and you're going to get the impact defensively, that's what, you know, at least the impact defensively when we think Dylan Carlson, that's kind of been the point the entire time with him, right? Like, the bat, he's 24 years old, should be able to come around, give him the opportunity. Mercado's not a young pup anymore, um, you know, drafted 10 years ago at this point. But for me, it's like he still has that skill set that when you're kind of in a, a little bit of a, a influx situation right now with guys on the IL and weird things happening, I think that can be a constant in your outfield for a few days. I'm not talking about for a month, but give me a couple more days of of Mercado to see what it looks like. Because if he's that offensively, is it sustainable? Probably not. But if he gives you that for any length of time, you take it if you're the Cardinals because you know the defense is going to be there, and uh, that helps out your pitching staff that uh, has obviously had its issues this year. Uh, Korn says, I feel like we're calling every game recently the game of the year, and it's not exaggerating. Yeah, like, that's, I, I, I just thought when I said that phrase, like, all right, Brendan, like, tone it down a little bit, dude. You, not every game's the game of the year. This, come on, seven home runs in a game, that's got to be the game of the year so far. I'm not saying they can't pass it up, but for now, that's got to be the game of the year, at least for the time being. Allison says, wow, what a game. And it was indeed. And, uh, yeah. Corn mentioned it. I have already talked about it, but de- defensive replacement Alec Burleson is not a universe that I thought we'd be living in, but that's where we were tonight. And again, it was 100% the right move. It took an injury to Tommy Edmond, which if he ends up on the IL, I'm, I'm, I got to think about this. If he ends up on the IL, I don't think that Mason Wynn is the guy you call up um, because it's going to be temporary. It's going to be short term, hopefully. Um, hopefully he just kind of got the, the wind knocked out of him and it's going to be a little sore, but he's able to able to stay in there and not need the IL. But I had said if Edmund ends up on the IL, you bring up Mason Wynn that day and he's your starter. But Edmund's an outfielder right now. Like the way we have to view this roster, 
I've I've lamented it enough that they told him he was going to be the starting shortstop, and then he's not. And it's like, is anybody going to talk about that? I, I bring it up from time to time. He's in the outfield because they got to keep his bat in the lineup. Um, and he plays a good outfield. I mean, he did it tonight with a, with a diving catch that caused his injury. Would have liked to have seen somebody call off the other, but it was a very long run for both guys. And so I don't know that that's one that you can really be like you're upset because easily it could have been an injury that's very bad for both of them. And that's the worst case scenario for a team with two outfielders already on the IL. But I think it's one of those things where it was such a far run for both of them that they were just balls to the wall trying to make a play. And the communication was lacking a little bit. Luckily, it did seem like Lars pulled up a little bit at the end because if he doesn't do that, I mean, it's a it's a much more serious collision for both of those guys. But they came in with some mustard anyway. So, uh, yeah, that kind of was what it was. Um, but, yeah, for right now, I almost wonder if you would say Jordan Walker could come back and play outfield every day if Tommy Edmond did need an IL stint. Um, but then you're sort of dealing with the, the defensive ramifications of that again, which I don't think long-term you can worry about. Like, Walker's going to have to be an outfielder. And, and he'll have to learn how to do it. I give him some grace because he only started as an outfielder late last season when the trade happened of Harrison Bader to the Yankees. That's like the, catacly- uh, the catalyst moment that is what sent him into uh, to outfield mode instead of third base. He'd been playing infield his whole career really prior to that. But man, it'd be interesting to have Walker as a part of this. Like I feel kind of bad. Like Jordan Walker was a part of this team for almost a month and uh, through some some rough times, and now they're having some good times, and he's not even here. Uh, I don't know if Tyler O'Neill was there. I didn't see him, but again, we weren't in the clubhouse tonight, so that's not you know necessarily indicative of anything. But it's like it's interesting to think about who's not here when things are going this way. Um, but anyway, the vibes of the guys that are there are, are, are pretty strong right now. We'll see about Edmund, though. But Corn mentions that Mercado looked awesome, and he, and he did, and uh, I'd play him. I'd play him. Kind of like in that Dylan role where you say, you know the defense is going to be there. The, the speed, like, he's a guy that he gets on first base. I'm expecting him to steal second. Just like with O'Neal, just like with Edmund. I'm looking at it going, pick your pitch, but you need to be going. Like, that's the aggressiveness the Cardinals need. And then there was, a, I mean, there's play where I, I think he scored twice on, um, one was a wild pitch, but the other one was technically ruled as a stolen base of home. They gave, they initially called it a fielder's choice, but they ultimately changed it and gave him that stolen base. I want to make sure that's right. Yeah, he had two stolen bases, stole home off of Bickford. Um, what actually happened was Goldie from first was stealing second base, and uh, the throw went down there. Instead of just letting him have it, they're like, well, we'll go get him. The throw gets away, though, and that allows Mercado to score, which the reason I think they gave him a stolen base is because he they deem he would have scored anyway. If it's a perfect throw and then they, they cut it and throw it back to home, they still think he would have been able to score. And so that's the reason I guess that they, they change it to a stolen base, but like that's what he does. And I think that's valuable in a lineup for a team that we've been begging for that, right? We've been saying have more of those kinds of plays and those kinds of players uh, take advantage of their skill set. Mercado's got it. So I would like to see more of him. Brandon loves the uh, fire that Contreras brings. Yeah, it's, it is electric. It was electric tonight at the ballpark. Uh, Gorman MVP. I'm kidding, am I? <laughs> Were you the one that brought that up, Jesse? We need to cook is the uh, the screen name there on that comment. Yeah, I, I knew somebody had brought that up the other day, and I kind of poo pooed it, but only because I thought he'd maybe have a little bit of uh, growing pains against lefties. But he's up to 12 home runs right now. Like, there's no reason he can't hit 35 or 40. 
if he continues on this trajectory. Incredible stuff. Um, does the pitch clock ruin the celebrations? Yeah, Arenado got a strike assessed, I think, after the uh, um, the curtain call from Contreras. Yeah, they're a little too anal about the pitch clock in those situations. I think, like, the spirit of the rule is that's what it is, but baseball should know that it's good for baseball to have these sorts of things, and so stop getting in your own way if you're baseball. After a moment like that, if there's a curtain call, like, okay, give the guy some extra time. Have the umpires have the discretion to be able to do that and not have it be such a hard and fast rule would be my preference. But, you know, baseball gets in its own way sometimes, and that's what happened here. Uh, Ryan doesn't remember much about Mercado, but at one point, wasn't he supposed to be him and Tavares holding down the outfield? I mean, Mercado was, a, like I said, I think it was a second-round pick in that 2013 draft. And so, like, with a pedigree like that, yeah. What happened ultimately, though, and this was around the time, like, I think the Cardinals traded Tommy Pham this same day in July of 2018. Um, yeah, second overall, uh, second-round pick, 57 overall there in 2013 for Mercado. Like, yeah, he had a pedigree, but the Cardinals eventually got to where they were choosing other guys in their outfield, and so they they basically, I think, wanted to clear a 40-man spot, which is why they traded Mercado that day. Um, and, and Cleveland was glad to give him an opportunity, and, and he did decently with them, had a really good start, and then kind of tailed off a little bit offensively. But, yeah, I mean, he was one of those guys that that they definitely thought was uh, was capable until they, they just kind of were crowded out and they weren't sure the bat, I guess, would, would work out, and they were looking to clear a 40-man spot, and so they were able to make a trade. Uh, John Torres didn't really pan out, was, was part of that deal, but they get him back, so I guess all's well that ends well. And uh, honestly, if he had been here for those five years or whatever it was, he probably would have been just like every other outfielder where it's like, oh, he can't really hit enough. Can he be an everyday guy? Like, it's better this way. Honestly, to me, it's it's kind of better this way that he's able to come here now, know as a veteran what his role is, and at least tonight, man, play it really, really well. He's a fun player. I hope, I hope he stays up. I, I say this, but it's like they should be able to get more out of O'Neal but when he comes back, if it's a move that sends Oscar back down, which I don't think he has options, so that's a little tricky. Um, but I, I, that's the type of guy you don't really want to lose as a, a piece off your bench. Like, you get into October, which I do think this team will, he's a guy who could be a pinch runner for you, too. I think he's a valuable, valuable piece. Um, and Ollie Marmel raves about him every time he talks about him. Uh, he said he's a winning player. He called him a kid. Kid's a winning player. Not really a kid anymore, but uh, but sure. Like, winning player is a great way to describe him. I think Ollie Marmel is going to fight tooth and nail to keep this dude on his roster all year. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. I know the math is against it because you've got the Burlesons of the world that Ollie likes as well. You've got O'Neill and Carlson. And that's where, like, there could be a deadline trade that is like that, where you trade an outfielder and maybe some other pieces for a pitcher or a, a reliever. Like, right now, the way the Cardinals set up, I know everybody says, need a starter, need a starter. If they don't have a deal for a bonafide starter, I think you trade for some ace relievers to just stack your bullpen that way. Um, and and could a guy like O'Neal or someone else be? I'd hate to see Carlson moved in that kind of deal. I, it's not that I want to see O'Neal move, but, like, couldn't you see just the writing on the wall right now that they gave him his shot at the beginning of the year? And then you read some of the comments that, that are coming out right now about O'Neal. I'm going to look this up because Brandon Kiley, uh, he he does a show with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson on a 101 ESPN uh, midday show. They had an interview today with John Mozeliak. And one of the questions that was asked was about Tyler O'Neill. 
And there was some other stuff that was asked about the pitching. I put this out already in a video on YouTube because I felt like this was so important to talk about that I wanted to make sure to do it. And so it's like an eight-minute video that uh, is on this Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel. You feel free to check that out after the stream wraps up about John Mozellak basically completely contradicting what he said in the uh, offseason back in January about their pursuit of starting pitching. Said, candidly, we didn't really delve too much into those markets. And now he says, well, we engaged on a lot of starters in the offseason, but now they're all hurt or bad. So it's good that we didn't get starting pitching. Which, like, that's true, maybe. Maybe you should have evaluated different starters in the offseason because there are guys like Evaldi and a couple others that have that have done reasonably well and aren't injured. Um, but I just thought that was like a crazy one. But here's the one on O'Neill after I get a quick sip here. Man, the vodka in here is so good. That's a joke. Um, was asked about Tyler O'Neill, and most said, quote, one of the things you need to have, one of the things you need to have happen with position players is the ability for them to play. That's a skill. The ability to show up every day, even when you're not feeling 100% and being able to go. That, to me, is a quote that signifies kind of where the Cardinals are at right now with Tyler O'Neill, which is to say, on the rocks a little bit. I don't know what trade value he even has with the way that he's performed and the the durability questions around him. I like Tyler O'Neill. I root for Tyler O'Neill. I think with where the Cardinals are, it's kind of a, to, uh, I'm going to try to clean this up a little bit, but y'all know the phrase, uh, go ahead and use the facilities or get off the pot. That's sort of the the way it is for, for Tyler O'Neill right now. Like either do it or don't is, is the way the Cardinals, I think, approached him when they began the season. They said, hey, you want to be the center fielder? We'll let you be the center fielder. That's why I think partially Ali Marmel was so incensed with the, the perception that he was not hustling on that play five games into the season because in Ollie's mind, it was like, dude, we've given you everything. And whether you're hustling or not or whether you're trying to stay healthy or not, in those moments for Ollie, it was just like, we've given you every opportunity, man. I need more out of you than that. I don't care what the reason is. That didn't look like the Tyler O'Neill we know. I think if Ollie had said those things at the time, maybe it's a completely different way we react to it. But at the time, I think Ollie felt like he was being very clear, and that's what he was saying. But without the context or the subtext of, hey, we've given you a lot of latitude. You've got to answer the bell. Right now, the Cardinals, and it's hard to hold against a guy when he's hurt, but when you're hurt as often as O'Neill has been throughout his Cardinals career, it's kind of like, hey, we need you available, man. When can you start that rehab? And, of course, it comes out this week that he has had a setback. So, that's kind of the tricky slope there for uh, for Tyler O'Neill and, and what his role could be. And that's why I look at a Mercado, and it's like, is Mercado the upside of Tyler O'Neill offensively? Absolutely not. But is he available right now, and is he providing the spark to this team, and can he do a lot of the other things outside of the batter's box that Tyler O'Neill can do? He can. He can, guys. And so that's why, I mean, I would say if there's a guy that it wouldn't shock me if they traded him, it would depend on his trade value and what they could get and whether it's a sensible deal. But, I mean, O'Neill would be on that list. I think Carlson's on that list. If other teams perceive that the bat can come around for him, then he would have enough value to justify the Cardinals moving him. If not, he's still he's still hashtag everyday Dylan to me until further notice. But it's just right now he's injured, so we can't really look at it that way. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. 
so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Uh, Adrenalized87 says this, Hey, Brendan, love listening to you on the big show after work each night. The Cardinals' offense is great. We have a better run differential than the division leader. Just need more consistent pitching. Yeah, like, we got to remember, the Cardinals gave up eight runs tonight, so that is something to keep in mind. The pitching is still work in progress, potentially, but I think it was a, a one-off game by Cabby where he's going he's gonna to get it back. And Wayno was fine, but the errors kind of cost him. And thank you for the shout-out to the big show. If you guys like Mizzou, Chiefs, Cardinals as well, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays on KTGR, and if you don't live in Columbia, Missouri, KTGR.com, we air it live. Uh, you can listen live to the the the, uh, the show 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays. Not tomorrow, though, because Mizzou baseball rained out today, and so they're playing during our show. No show tomorrow, but, hey, every other weekday pretty much we'll be there. Uh, Felix, what's up, my friend? Felix says we should not be undervaluing how big a change winning the first game of a series of a four-game series is. Um, or, or he should say he did say, not he should say. I'll tell you what he did say. I'm the dummy here. How big of a change winning the first game of a series for four consecutive series is. You're bound to find losing uh, losing stress like we did when you can't win the first game. Yeah, that's kind of why I thought that comment from Ollie that, that sort of got some play early in the season when they hadn't won the first game yet of a series. He said, we really don't you know worry about that or look at it that way. We want to win every game is what he said. But I think there is that extra layer to it of it buys you margin for error, right? Like when the Cardinals have that big win on Monday over the Brewers, and then Tuesday, they they don't really get it done with runners in scoring position, and they kind of taper off a little bit. That's unfortunate that that happened, but it bought them margin for error to say, hey, we at least got that first game. And then even though it is Corbin Burns that you face on Wednesday, you come out and you, you're able to get a win against him. That's kind of what it brings you. And, and now it's a four-game series, even almost more important to be able to do it uh, tonight the way that they did. So this team means business, guys. I know that's a long way to go. I see the record just as well as you do. I just think that the Cardinals have too much talent. You've been, we've been looking at this lineup and looking at the box score and seeing it. It's too much, man. I, I'm not even going to fixate on the pitching tonight. I've been leaving the box score uh, imagery on the uh, the offense because that's the story of the night. Let me know, though, too, what you guys think of the box score stuff. Do you like the way the stream looks? Do you want it to look any different? Um, I'll kind of scroll down and give you the uh, the base running stuff here. Show the fielding error stuff, too, because that was a little bit important. Uh, let me know what you like and dislike about the way we're doing the streams lately. Um, I just don't feel like people need to see my whole face on the screen. Like, you can look at it and see it, and it's fine in the upper right here. Um, but there are some things I can do to maybe potentially toggle back and forth. I'm I'm at your service to try to make these things as good as we can. Um, Rena says, Wayno getting back on track after the first was key. Yeah, he did look a lot better. I thought he was going to shove. I thought he was going to get into the seventh inning, honestly. Um, but the errors and in, in the uh, – he probably would have, honestly, get into the seventh inning, but the errors kind of came back to haunt him. And that's not his fault. Um, couldn't pick a, pitch around it, but it, it wasn't his fault. And then uh, the, the homer that was given up, the grand slam to Freeman, his 300th of his career, congrats to Freddie Freeman. That was Gabby. You know, that wasn't even a, a chance Wainwright had to pitch out of it. He was he was on the bench by then. Let me see here. If uh, Arnado and Goldie are the one-two punch, Gorman definitely is cementing himself as the number three. Brandon, I would agree with that. But what's so special right now about this Cardinals team is you've got other guys too. You've got Edmund OPSing almost 800. You've got 
uh, DeYoung, over 900. And I use OPS because I think it's a, a good catch-all number. If I say slugging percentage, it doesn't cover everything. If I say batting average, it doesn't cover everything. Same with OBP. That's why I use OPS because you might say, oh, I like war. I like wins above replacement. I like weighted runs created plus. Whatever you like. I use OPS because it is, I think, the best of both worlds. Um, it's still a very relatively simplistic stat, but one that um, adds a little bit more uh, uh, layers to it. So is it perfect? No, but that's why I use it. It's my favorite stat because I think um, casual baseball fans, even if they don't understand it yet, can grow to understand it very easily, just like they a casual fan knows batting average. You can very easily get people to understand OPS um, with a little bit of explanation. Uh, it's just on-base plus slugging. And uh, I think those are two valuable numbers. So you you combine them, and it gives you a good idea. And you know relative to what, you know, is good, what's bad, what, you know, what's in between. And the Cardinals have got a lot of good, and they've got a lot of in between, but they've got guys that have been in between and are rising. Contreras is rising. Arenado, Arenado is rising. Edmund has risen uh, from, from, like, the low 700s up to now 798. Like, the Cardinals just have top to bottom a very, very deep lineup, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous. So, like, yeah, Gorman is the number three. Honestly, right now, Gorman's the number one. He's got the highest OPS on the team, got the 12 home runs. Um, he's he's going to be an all-star. I've been telling you. I've been telling you. I've been telling you. My bold prediction's looking a little better day by day um, with, with that Nolan Gorman uh, streak that he's on right now. But, yeah, um, he's, he's kind of cementing himself in that group along with when you think Arnado and Goldie, you think must see at bats. I got to see what that guy did that night. I think Gorman is entering that territory. You don't want to miss a Gorman at bat. You don't want to get up to go to the bathroom when this guy's batting. You might miss something special. He's kind of getting into that groove, and he's a mild-mannered guy. You know, he's not boisterous or anything like that, but he just goes about it in a really good way. The Cardinals are lucky to have Nolan Gorman, that's for sure. Corn adds that the standings are wild. The whole NL is bunched up. Yeah, it's going to work its way out. You've got teams like the Padres right now and the Mets that you thought, everybody thought were going to be really good, and they haven't been. Like, that's probably going to level out, and you've got some teams like the Pirates that you we're kind of wondering, hey, do they have staying power? Do the Marlins, Skip Schumacher's squad that he's got above 500 right now, have staying power? It's going to work itself out. But when it happens, I just think the Cardinals are going to be a part of it. I really do think they're going to be a part of it and uh, and be in this playoff mix. Phillips says it's all coming together with the staff and the bats. Suddenly only a game out of passing the Cubs and Reds in the division. Yeah, they're not the worst team in the division. They're not the fourth best. They're not the third best. They're either the first best or the second best, and time is going to show that. Um, Passing the Reds and Cubs will be, I think, an important step to just be able to mentally kind of check that off. And when you pass them, there's nothing in the rules that says they can't pass you right back, but I feel like long-term, as the weeks go on, the cream rises. The cream will rise to the top, and the Cardinals are the cream. I really do believe that. I mean, their their lineup is indisputable. That the Brewers don't have that. They they cannot hold a candle to the Cardinal lineup. Pitching wise, remains to be seen. Like we're not lauding the pitching tonight. Wayno was fine. Bullpen was good after Cabrera. But again, you gave up eight runs. So eight is eight. We got to kind of see what that looks like. They've had good starts this week. Wayno's was another one. Wayno tonight was like Jordan Montgomery the other day. Like fine if the offense supports you you don't notice it and it's not a negative that's what it is for Wainwright today Montgomery you know he said he was pissed off he's the only guy that was pissed off all week I think for the Cardinals because 
He couldn't get the win for his team that he wanted to. And uh, even though he pitched decently well, they didn't get it done. But overall, I just think the Cardinals are doing too much offensively day-to-day to be able to, like, they're not going to be able to lose without some really, really bad pitching performances. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think they're good enough uh, for the, like, again, the, we've said the entire time. We talk about this a lot on the big show. What's the identity of this team going to be? It's to slug you. It's to outslug you and to win with their offense. They're doing that. And I think they're going to continue to do that. If you add pitching and make it a strength, I'm not saying like add by trade. I'm saying like if you turn the guys that are here into a strong rotation and that ends up being a plus instead of a negative, this team is going to be really, really difficult to stop. They just are. Grand Slam Scott, he says, good morning, Brendan. Another glorious result to wake up to. I feel like I'm going to have to not watch any games anymore as we seem to be raking since I stopped staying up late. LFG cards. Nice comment, Scott. appreciate that. Uh, Blue Jays Rock went to the game. Best game ever, he says. Uh, it was a fun one. And uh, Arena's going tomorrow, which is now tonight because it's so late in the morning uh, at one eighteen Central. You guys are great for sticking around. I mean, only over 30 of you hanging out with me at 1 in the morning is freaking awesome. Appreciate you guys for being here. Um, but Arena says, I'll probably only score two runs. I think Steven Matz goes tomorrow. Yeah, they're losing 3-2 to two for sure. And everybody's going to be like, Matz was terrible. And I'll be like, no, he went five and two-thirds and gave up three. He was fine. They just didn't score. It's like Monty on Tuesday. Uh, we'll have to see. And by the way, probably not a live. I appreciate you all for being here for this one. The lives are going to be a little bit scarce for the next few days because even though the Cardinals are at home, the timing of it is terrible. But uh, anniversary trip with my wife. Uh, I have gained permission, though, to continue posting on YouTube. So whether the videos or not are live, we'll still be doing B-Shape Daily. So make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel because the videos will be posted. The Spotify's will be Spotified. Uh, so we'll continue with the Cardinals content because I can't just walk away even on a trip right now. Um, there's too much going on. There really is. And the other thing that's going on is I got to get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. If you know a friend that likes Cardinals content, send them my YouTube page. I'm serious. Like this sounds like a little bit uh, desperate, but I'm, I'm getting closer to a thousand. And that's when, if I can start to make a little money from the page, it's like, I won't even mind staying up till 3am. Like it doesn't even matter. It's fun to me at that point. Um, to, to, to be able to make a little bit of money for it. Right now, I've got Patreon up, and I've got a few patrons there that do a great job of supporting me over there, and uh, I try to throw those guys some bonus content. Uh, it's patreon.com slash bshafer12. If you want to support me that way, like 5 bucks a month, that's kind of the, the lowest tier in that. Um, but what I would love to be able to do is just get the YouTube going to where we're just making money from that, and I don't even have to worry about, like, say, subscribe, which, like, I'm always going to be doing the Patreon because I want to be able to give you guys bonus content that way. Um, a lot of content creators do that kind of thing, but I would love to get it going on YouTube and to join the program for creators on YouTube. I got to have a thousand, um, and 4,000 hours of watch time, but you guys watch so much that I'm basically already there. I just need the subs. And this has been like seven weeks that we've been doing this, this channel. It's amazing how much you guys have supported it. And, uh, that's why I always say like, what do you want to see from the channel? Because your support is the reason it works. And so I, I'd be a fool if I didn't ask you guys as often as I could, like, what do you want to see from me? I'll try to make it happen. Uh, Korn says, I'd like to see Mercado over O'Neal, honestly. Um, the Cardinals don't need more power right now. Yeah, they need Mercado. They need what Mercado brings. And, like, O'Neal can bring defense. He can bring base running. He can bring all of those things. But, but he, like, wasn't necessarily with the consistency that you need. And uh, Mercado is also, like, a more of a contact-oriented guy. I don't think he'll strike out as often as O'Neal. 
I'm not trying to bag on O'Neal. And I think there's a world in which he comes back healthy and rakes and just makes the Cardinals even more silly with the depth that they have offensively. But it did kind of get into a situation, didn't it, where Cardinals didn't know who to play day to day. And so if they didn't know who to play in that outfield, nobody was getting into a rhythm. And now it's just like you've got infielders playing in the outfield, but it doesn't even matter because everyone's vibing. Um, and that's okay. It's it's all about perspective of the way things are working at a given time. And when things are working well like they are right now, you can throw an Edmund or a Donovan in the outfield and it makes sense for the vibe of the team. Now, when things aren't going well, we look at it like Matt Adams is playing in the outfield who brought Matheny back, which, by the way, Matheny was back tonight. He was at the ballpark throughout the first pitch, had like his his Bud Bash thing. I think he was like the Bud, Bud Bash bartender or something, whatever it was. A um, little bit of PTSD to see him in that 22, though, that, that Cardinals jersey, Mike Matheny on the back. Um, but but Matheny's a good guy, so I don't want to joke too much about it. But, uh, yeah, we all remember his manager tenure and the way that it ended. So, Whatever. Good for the Cardinals to invite him back, though. I thought that was a nice nice touch this year. All right. Um, yeah, Blue Jays rock. This may be the Gorman MVP campaign channel. We just we just continue to talk about it. I, I'm really happy for Gorman, man. Like, he was a top prospect, and then he came up, and he was fine. But it was like, eh, okay. He's not necessarily doing enough to overcome it if he's not, a, you know, going to be a good defender. Can they afford to DH him every day? Um, first of all, he is a good defender. He's turned himself into that. He is a well-rounded baseball player, and he's a slugger. The Cardinals are very lucky that they didn't get a bite when they offered Nolan Gorman for Sean Murphy because, A, they wouldn't have Contreras, which right now is feeling like a thing that, you know, I know long-term maybe that contract doesn't look as good, but the vibe that Contreras brings, I'm telling you, I think there's something to it, and it's a positive. Um, But also, like, the fact that reportedly Gorman was one of the guys they would have traded I think is crazy. Like, I get it now because in the offseason, I was seeing the same thing. I was saying I could see the Cardinals moving Gorman to kind of clear up that logjam a little bit if they really like Edmund and Donovan and they've got win coming. I could see them doing that if it helps them get a, a good starter or a piece that they really feel they, they need as part of a package for whatever they could have gotten. Like, I thought that could have been something they did. I didn't realize the extent to which they were going to have Gorman work on things in the offseason and just become a better player. Day one of spring training, Ollie was talking about it, and I was like, oh, that's why they didn't trade him. Like, they, he's going to be a, a core piece. And I started telling y'all then on B-Shape Daily back in, in February, they're like, hey, they didn't trade Gorman, and this is kind of why. Like, he's taking a step forward. Look out for him this year. Um, yeah, I've got him on a fantasy team, and it feels very good. I don't have him on enough fantasy teams um, for the belief that I had in him to say he was going to be an all-star this year. I probably should have had him on a, a couple more teams, but uh, yeah, he's a dude. He's a dude, and hopefully the people in my leagues aren't here right now because I'm going to trade for him. I'm gonna my teams are deep enough that I'm going to just trade for him because I believe that this is not a, a drop in the bucket, uh, or I should say this is a drop in the bucket. This is not just like a, a flash in the pan. Isn't it weird? A flash in the pan and a drop in the bucket can mean two very very different things. Flash in the pan, it's gone. A drop in the bucket. There's a lot more at play here, and that's what I think it is for Nolan Gorman. Uh, I think he's just going to keep doing this. Gorman is second in the NL in OPS behind only Ronald Acuna, and he's uh, pretty good. Great comment there by Adrenalize. Thank you for the stat. Max says, just drop it in to leave a like. See you guys around. Max, appreciate you. Hope hope you uh, catch us on the flip side, being able to watch this uh, on the replay on YouTube. Or, hey, maybe you just want to go audio as you take a walk because I know the YouTube app doesn't let you open uh, you know, it doesn't let you walk around with it in your pocket. You got to close the phone app and then it's like, oh, it's not on there unless you have like YouTube premium. 
uh, Spotify. Listen on there, and you can uh, can have it that way. By the way, would it benefit anybody to have me put the video version on Spotify? Because I can do that. Spotify will let you do that now. Um, but I think it's just a little bit of extra work for me. But if people are like, yeah, I'd love to be able to, to watch on Spotify, I can do it that way as well. I just think it's cool that you can put it in your pocket and you don't need to like have it open like you do on YouTube. So to each their own, but that's kind of another thing I'm looking to do. I'm content season. I told you guys that I would be. I, I told you guys back in like February, like we're going to do it up this year. And uh, I'm killing myself to do it, but it's it's been a lot of fun. Anthony said, loved your opinion on Mo interview on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Anthony says Mo is a damn joke, which I don't believe that he's a joke. But he he did completely contradict himself. And I like Mo, and I think he's a good good GM, good pobo. But he, he literally contradicted himself. And is that like he's just, like, here's the way I read that whole pitching thing. And, and go check out, it's an eight-minute video that I put out on YouTube. Uh, it's on my channel when you're done with this. You can check that out. And that's like what I'm trying to do too. A lot of the content that's on the YouTube is B-shaped daily stuff, but I'm going to be doing other videos like that where like I have a topic to riff on. It may just be an audio only where I slap a picture on it, but I went for eight minutes and I just kind of told you what I thought of that today. If you like that kind of content, let me know and I'll continue to do it um, again at your service, guys. But um, Mo did completely contradict himself. And I've got BK's uh, Twitter pulled up here so I can find what the quote was that he said today was, uh, by the way, the Libertor thing is weird, too, that came from that interview, that they might put him in the bullpen and then and then stretch him back out again and, and be a starter later on. I think you start him in six days from now and you just leave leave well enough alone. The dude has, has been, uh, he was nails for you yesterday. But anyway, uh, trying to find this now from uh, from Brandon Kiley. Unless he deleted it. I don't even see it right now. Basically, what Mo had said was they weren't really sure. I'm sorry. I'm losing my train of thought. I'm going to find this real quick. There it is. BK's uh, tweeted this out. And Mo said on the approach to starting pitching in the offseason, quote, I can say this. There were a lot of starting pitchers we were engaged with in the offseason. And I can tell you that most, almost all of them are either on the IL now or are not pitching well. That's John Mozalak today. What he said in January was, candidly, we weren't very involved in those markets, the markets that were shortstop and starting pitching. They didn't pursue them, is what he said back then. So that's not like the end of the world, and you could look at it two different ways and say, all right, did they pursue them? But in January, he didn't want to admit it because they failed to get anybody, and now that all those guys that they were pursuing are either injured or are pitching bad, that it's easy to turn around and go, well, we really tried to pursue him, but all those guys are bad now, so you, you can thank me that we didn't get them. It's kind of a tired, you know, it, it benefits the storyteller, right, to be able to say, oh, we, we we didn't candidly, we didn't do it, we think we've got enough. And then when, like, maybe the rotation looks a little bit suspect and all the other guys you happen to, the Carlos Rodon, they're probably looking at him, a couple other guys, they're not they're not doing it right now. You can look back and say, see, we were smart not to go get him. Come on. It's contradictory. It is. And I like Mo, but like I'm when you call when you do that and you're on record saying one thing and you say the opposite, I think I the people who say soft media would be right if as a media entity we don't all at the same time go, What the hell is this? And everybody did. I saw Ben Fred had had tweeted something, Derek retweeted, said uh, the post dispatch reported all these things and Mo, you know, the Cardinals as a team and Mo as a, as a leader of the, the organization kind of pushed back on the reports 
And then it turns out they're confirming the reports now three months later. Like, yeah, it's something that should be called out, so I did. I don't know. Brendan L. says, imagine if uh, we, and by the way, I don't say we about the Cardinals. I cover the team, not a fan. But when I say your we's, I'm just reading what y'all wrote, so don't give me crap for that. Um, imagine if we traded Gorman for Pablo Lopez and see him doing this in Miami. Yeah. And that's kind of what it would have taken, right? So I don't know if that was on the table, but Luis Arise is who ended up going for Lopez, and he is a very, very good hitter. And the the Twins don't have him anymore. So make of that what you will. Corn went to the game at Wrigley, and it was a tough call. Didn't want to go into Chicago, pain in the ass, and be disappointed. It was right around the time they turned this thing around, though. Uh, yeah, I want to go to Wrigley so bad this summer. It is a pain in the ass. Driving in Chicago is like my worst my least favorite city to drive around in, like it is a nightmare to drive in Chicago. I don't know what I don't know if y'all agree with this or not. Like, yeah, you could say NYC would be bad to drive around in. Who does that though? A tour, like if you're a tourist and out of towner, you take an Uber or you just walk, you take the subway or whatever. Like, you're not driving in NYC. Chicago for me is the toughest city I've ever driven in because it's not like the highways and the highways are rough, but like the side streets, every street it's congested. It's opened up. It's weird. It's just a, it's very, very stressful. Um, so I understand your point there, corn. Uh, the hamburger phone is hilarious. I don't know why people hate on it. It's so funny to see them in front of it, uh, or with it in front of them. Yeah. They're calling it and they're saying, Hey, so-and-so is about to Homer. They're having fun with it. I haven't seen a lot of hate there about the hamburger phone, but there shouldn't be any. Um, Corn says, got to sleep though. You demand Brendan. Thank you, Corn, for your love. And thank you, Connor. His name's Connor for changing your name because there's too many Connors. Uh, CJ said, incredible win. Much needed. Good smiley emoji. Fandom said, game one of the wild card. What's your go-to lineup? One for lefty, one for righty. I, I probably won't go through lefty and righty. Let's assume righty um, or just general. I'll tell you the guys that are going to be in there because it's going to be the same names for the most part. Newtbar, Goldie, um, Gorman in the three-hole, Arenado four. Um, tricky, isn't it? Um, trying to think here. Contreras five, of course. Sixth. I mean, right now, doesn't DeYoung have to be in there? Maybe, maybe Edmund. Edmund's ninth. Edmund will probably be ninth. I'm, I started one through five, and now I'm going nine through six to try and reverse engineer this thing. And it's a little bit late at night. So this would maybe be a better question for another day. Uh, fandom, just where I can really dive into it a little bit better and, and do some typing and thinking about positionally. But I'm thinking DeYoung right now is in there. If he continues hitting the way that he is, he's in there. But I would want DeYoung no higher than seventh. So I would maybe put Brendan Donovan sixth uh, to try to, to, to shake up that right-left and make it a little more difficult for the late game. And then I, whoever's left, I guess I didn't need another outfielder. So probably Carlson. Um, if he's healthy, if not, I, if not like today, if it's today's healthy people, I would have Mercado in there. Um, actually it's Jordan Walker because Jordan Walker's got to be in there as well. So fandom, I realize I just said like 10 or 11 names. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this another day. Ask me this question again within the next week. I know, like I just said, I'm going to Kansas city for, uh, for my anniversary trip with my wife this weekend. Ask this question again on the next live and we'll, we'll try to get to it. Uh, Anthony says it's not even about counting guys out, but at some point you got to trade someone for an ace. I don't know who that is, but it's got to happen for this team to win a ship. Yeah, 
But, like, I don't want to see Tommy Edmond traded. The guys that you would have to trade to get your ace that aren't prospects are tough sells. I think you just got to develop the ace. It's got to be somebody from within. Maybe a Libertor. I don't know if he's a full ace. I don't know if Graceffo is a full ace. I don't know if McGreevy is ever going to be that guy. And I get that. I would be looking to do anything I can to not trade some of the guys from the major league roster that you could actually get an ace for. The guy that I think could make sense to trade is O'Neill. And I never like to speculate like that about guys, but I, 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 just to answer your question and be able to give you honest opinions, it wouldn't shock me to see the Cardinals do it. But he's not getting you an ace. Now, if you give him a, a, into a package with a Graceffo and, and you know really have to pay up on the pitching prospects to do it, maybe there's a world in which that works. But also, O'Neill's only around for one more year, and then he's a free agent. So teams trading for him don't have that team control or, or getting him on the cheap in terms of salary aspect that that they would appreciate. So that's what makes Carlson a little more interesting because he's a couple more years down the road before that happens. But I think the Cardinals benefit from him in center field. So we'll see. Uh, the, the, the question Ryan's got is one my dad asked me today. Um, could the team do something weird and creative and not announce the starters and just screw with the rotation, but guys know internally if they're up in five or six days. Seems like it upset the Brewers. The Dodgers did this a couple years ago, and, and, and people didn't like it. It's gamesmanship. It's okay to do once in a while. And it's not like the Cardinals did it. Like, Ollie announced to media members Tuesday night. So it wasn't, it wasn't like they didn't know the next morning waking up that it was going to be that way. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can do it. But is it something that looks kind of sketchy and, and just kind of ugly to do? If, if you're winning, you don't care. Like, if you're Wilson Contreras and you're winning and you can, like, literally get a broomstick out and slap the broomstick on the ass as you ride around the field celebrating your home run, and it's like people might get pissed off, but it doesn't matter because you're winning. So, like, they hate you because they ain't you sort of thing. But I, if the Cardinals start doing that stuff with the record they have, you know what I'm saying? Like, th that could just look a little bit sketch. But I, I don't think there's anything against doing it, Ryan. I think it's more just a factor of, like, do you need to go to those lengths? Does it look a little desperate? Those kind of things. Uh, Phantom says, I barely remember anything from the winter warm-up Mo interview, but he made me smile. Uh, what a quick five months. Yeah, I mean, I remember that interview it, it stuck out to me, and I, I've brought it up multiple times on B-Shape Daily, that he said, candidly, we didn't really get involved in those markets for starting pitching, and we may look back on that as a strategic mistake, was his exact phrase, but our hope is that we won't look at it that way, and we won't regret it, and that we do have enough. But like he acknowledged, said the quiet part out loud, that like it could be a strategic mistake. Right now, I, I still think the jury is out on this starting rotation and the fact that you're going to, like, if you had gone out and got somebody, would he be healthy? Would he automatically be good? Or would he just be blocking like a Matthew Libertor right now? I think the Cardinals needed to trade for a pitcher like a Lopez. I think it was difficult to meet the ask on it. Um, and, and like a Shane Bieber is out there now and maybe a Dylan Cease. They could make that kind of trade and... and could be very much a, a bona fide contender. I just would worry to see what this team would do is if they trade for one of those guys, but it ends up that they accidentally gave away the wrong piece that was like key to team camaraderie. And because it might take a major league name or two to do it. And that's tough to do when I think this clubhouse is vibing right now. But 
That's the business. It's John Mozeliak's job to know which of those deals are the ones you need to be able to make. Um, Anthony asks if I ever criticize these guys without a compliment on the end. Um, maybe not, but I, I like to feel like I'm being fair to these human beings. You guys don't have to do that. Anthony, you can sit behind your computer screen and candidly, to borrow a, a word Mo likes to use, you don't have to do it that way. I'll have to look these guys in the face, though. And so, do they watch my stream? No. But I have to be aware that, like, what I say about them, I've got to be fair. And so, is it to sugarcoat? That's not the way I look at it. I look at it as I'm trying to give you 360-degree perspective on kind of the way the guys look at it, the way the team looks at it, and the way I look at it with what my opinion is. So, if you feel like I'm overly complimentary, whatever, I'm, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me, and I'm going to describe things the way that I think is the right way to describe them. And if you don't like it, again, you don't have to watch, man. You don't. I appreciate a lot of the insightful comments you've made, but at the same time, like, I'm I'm going to be me, and I'm going to uh, describe it the way I see it. Bo says the writing is all over the wall for O'Neal that he's on the way out. We'll be able to get something decent for him, I'd imagine. Like, I've sat here and said I think O'Neal is a guy they could trade. So, and that's a, a bold thing to say. If Tyler O'Neill is like, well, why would you say I get traded? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not a bold thing to say. It's a thing that a lot of people I think would, would see the writing on the wall about, but I'm just trying to, to tell you, Hey, I think that's a possibility. Um, there are things that he does well. There are things that he has not lived up to the billing on this year for the Cardinals. And that's why they would be looking to trade him. The problem is here's a negative for you, Anthony. This is a criticism. I don't know that his trade value is very high. They're not getting their ace with Tyler O'Neill. Like, that's not the trade that gets made. And the team that they trade him to, they better hope it's a quick rebuild because he's only around for one more year. So that is the complication of the trade value of Tyler O'Neill. Uh, Fandom says he's the first to go. What relievers are on the block? Chapman, Hendricks? Yeah, I don't know if Aroldis Chapman fits this team. Hendricks, you know, perhaps. I, I, I don't know what his situation is, though. Like, didn't he just come back from, um, from uh, the cancer situation? And so he hasn't really pitched. I don't really know what, what his deal will be. But, yeah, he had the cancer diagnosis and just re, like came back like today or yesterday, I think. So, um, But by July, you'll know what the relievers are. And that'll be almost a luxury for the Cardinals to be able to trade for a reliever. And if you can move O'Neill for a reliever at that point, if he's a really good one, I, I, I get people might say he should be able to get you a starter, but it's just not realistic to me. And so I would probably say the reliever aspect would be an interesting angle. Fandom says props to Mo for the Bader-Monty trade. How, uh, haven't looked at the numbers, but I can imagine Monty's war is above Bader's, and it's an even trade uh, as you can get. I actually don't know if that's true um, because Bader has been off to a really good start. Now, he's another guy that's been kind of injured, but um, so far this season, I think Bader's been doing a nice job offensively. I got to look that up, though. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, the war is 0 0.7 and 50 at-bats uh, for Bader, but he's OPSing 900. So the one that got away, right? But I, I do agree it was an even trade and one the Cardinals needed at the time. Fandom says an outfield with Newt, Tyler O'Neill, DC3, Bader, Burleson, Walker, 
I imagine Walker wouldn't have uh, another way up. Maybe DH would. And I don't know, the comment really didn't get finished there. But, yeah, like, Burleson's fit in all of this is really interesting at this point, too, because it's like, what is what is the way they go about that with him? You know, what do they, is he going to be in the lineup? Is he not? He he played a key role tonight with a couple of nice catches. I mean, they were pretty routine plays, but Yepes may not have gotten them. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of outfielders. And by the way, the the moral of this story is that it's John Mozeliak's job to get it right. He's got to figure out which outfielders need to be the ones that ultimately play every day uh, or stay on this team or don't. Like, all he's going to set the lineup, but Mo has to figure it out from a managerial standpoint of the roster and know which ones are right and which ones are wrong for this team. And that's going to get tough because... Like in the offseason, everybody wanted Newpar, but Mo knew, no, you can't trade Newpar. He's the one that's a staple to this team. Who are the guys that aren't staples, but you can still get trade value out of? That is the question that Mo's going to have to answer. And I think certainly it'll be pitching that you look for because they are covered positionally at basically every spot. I mean, they've got Luke and Baker that they're basically scoffing at the idea of bringing him up because they just, I mean, they, he's hit, you know, a bunch of home runs and OPSing a thousand in the minors, but they got nowhere to put him and nowhere to play him. So. They're fine offensively. Pitching would be the, the the deadline target for this team. Fandom says that 500 never sounded so good right now, and I agree. Uh, Fandom likes the way the screen looks, and it is a new graphic under the webcam. Uh, my buddy CJ made that for me, and uh, it's it's kind of going to be what you'll see when I start up a stream. I might say, hey, it's going to be 10 o'clock. Like, let's assume they're on the road. It's going to be 10 o'clock we start tonight or whatever it's going to be. I will start the stream right then, even if it's 15, 20 minutes in advance. And I'll, and I'll put that'll be what you see on the screen so you can at least log in, get yourself comfortable and cozy, get your comments in to get going. Um, that's kind of going to be the way we do it as like a little intro just to have in front. And we might make some intro video and, and really up the production value of the show. But for now, it's just going to be kind of a placeholder screensaver um, that you're able to look at and say, hey, B-Shape Daily Live is coming tonight. I just might not be right yet. Uh, and that'll give me a chance to actually have the stream up, tweet it out, and that way I won't have to like worry about, oh, I don't look good on, I'm not ready to be on camera right now, um, so I can't start the stream. No, I can start the stream, and I can just put that on there. Uh, will allow me some more flexibility. Uh, Evan's got Gorman in fantasy, so he's having a good day uh, for sure. Yeah, that is, a, that is a good thing to have. War since the trade, forgot to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Montgomery's war last year was substantial uh, for the Cardinals, no doubt. Ryan says O'Neal's going to be gone in a little more than a month. Uh, and a little more than Jojo Romero in a month. Yeah, they're going to maybe, it could be a reliever. I hope it's a good one, though, um, if they do trade him. But uh, not to say Jojo's not a good reliever, but he has been very kind of replaceable so far this year. That's why he's in Memphis. Anthony says O'Neal ain't bringing you an ace, uh, would be trading prospects for sure. I agree with you there, Anthony. I don't know what prospect you trade, though. Like, pitching prospects, all right. They're all, you know, you could trade any of them, and, and I could understand it. Um, even like a guy like Zach Thompson, I really think has a future. But if you if you can get your dude, your Dylan Cease, your Shane Bieber with a, a in a Zach Thompson deal, yeah, you might have to include him. the The offensive side is what's tough for me because Mason Wynn's name is going to come up a lot. Jordan Walker's will too, and they'll be like, "Ha, huh, yeah, right." Mason Wynn's name is going to come up a lot, and they're going to look at it and go, "Well, we've got these shortstops already on the roster. Maybe we could. I don't know if the Cardinals feel that way, though, because they recognize that Paul DeYoung is probably sh uh, still a short-term asset for this team. The, uh, what's it called? The the contract that he has, the um, the option, is kind of prohibitive. I think it's like 20 mil. I don't think they signed him to that. So Mason Wynn's going to be on this team next year. You just can't trade him. 
Yepes will be the centerpiece of MLB talent in their biggest deadline deal. But Yepes is not a guy that I think is worth a lot in trade. Like, teams are going to look at that and go, Cardinals, you're not playing him, so what do you? What makes you think we want to? Now, granted, there will be teams that look at Yepes and say, hey, this bat could be a very legit DH for us. If we're a rebuilding team, throw him out there for the final two months and see what he does. Maybe he OPSs 900 and hits 10 dingers in two months, and, like, now you've got something. But they're not going to tell the Cardinals that when they negotiate. They're going to go, look, dude, we know that he's got no position. So, you know, he's just not that valuable. I, that's my thing is I don't know what he could actually bring in as, in part of a package. Sadly, got to deal some, uh, got to get some better players for all this depth. And you're right, Fandom. It's it's going to be a battle. going to be interesting to see what they're able to do. Uh, Fandom says Chicago was awesome last summer. Contreras, go ahead, homer in the eighth. And a fun game at guaranteed rate field. Very cool. Um, and this will be the last question I get to that hasn't been typed yet. So get your final questions in. But Anthony says, um, why would you not start Libby? That's insane, man. You can't keep messing with these guys' developments. Let the fans start seeing the return on the Randy trade so they can stop hating Libby for no reason. I mean, you shouldn't be hating Libby anyway. He's, he's got nothing to do with it. He was he was a, a high school guy when he was drafted in the first round and had to age into prospecthood. And now it's five years later, and he's he's ready to be a big leaguer. Um, but it's not his fault that Randy Rosarena was the guy he was dealt for. Um, he doesn't need that as a chip on his shoulder. He's got it. He's got the mentality, the bulldog mentality that he needs. I don't really think Randy's got much to do with it. Um, but I agree. He should continue to start. It would be ridiculous to move him to the bullpen if even for one game. Have him in your rotation. Make it a six-man rotation if you've got to. That's what you said you were going to do. So why then a day later move him to the bullpen? It doesn't make sense. Truman is just wondering, what's the conversation of a trade for Shane Bieber coming from? Won't Oklahoma, uh, Cleveland be contending? They might be. Let me let me check the the standings on that, Truman. They might be. The reason is because if he's not, if they're not contending, he's going to be a guy that within a couple of years is going to get a huge contract. And so Cleveland has historically not been the type of team to sign guys to those deals. Although I think they did, Jose Ramirez. I can't remember. Um, but they're 20 and 23 right now. So yes, they're three and a half back in the division and the AL central is kind of like the NL. Nobody's taken it. Um, but you look at like, there's not, there's only going to be one playoff team from the AL central. It's going to be the team that wins that division because you've got the Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox all well above 500 in the East. That division could see three playoff teams. That division could see four playoff teams. They could see every wild card come from the AL East. Um, the, the teams in the West, they're going to have something to say about that are the Rangers and the Angels. Um, I think the Astros are making the playoffs, even though they're two back right now of the Rangers. The Rangers and Angels are going to be kind of vying for a wild card, I think. And maybe the Mariners as well. They're underachieving a little bit right now. But that's the reason that Shane Bieber comes up, because if they're not contending, they may look at it and say, well, we can't sign him either. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, Brandon wants me to predict Nolan Gorman's home run total. I'm going to go 32. I'm going to say he gets to 30, but eventually he slows down and stops playing like an MVP. He's just going to be merely an all-star at some point. But I'll say 32. I think he hits 30 bombs because they're going to start playing them every day. And with the playing time will come the consistency with with hitting dingers. And uh, Ryan doesn't think they're going to deal a ton of MLB talent. And I kind of agree that Mosellac might need to trade one or two MLB guys, but you don't want to do too much to rock the boat and, and, and mess up the clubhouse either. So kind of an interesting aspect of that. That is going to do it for this edition of the show, guys. We're almost 2 a.m. I appreciate you guys so much, but I got to get out of here on that. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe and like the stream on the way out. And you can check out the YouTube channel as well for the other videos that I continue to post this weekend. Even if we don't have any lives, there will be videos posted. So uh, get those notifications on so you don't miss them and watch them. And uh, thank you guys so much. Tell a friend, send a, send a, a friend the YouTube channel and say, hey, this guy's talking about the Cardinals. We have a lot of fun in the stream when he does live stuff. Uh, check it out. And let's get those subs up. I'm trying to get to 800 first and then 1,000, man. That's the goal. So thank you guys so much. Good night. Appreciate you once again. And we'll talk to you next time on Be Shaved Daily Live. Peace.